from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a... They're all very special, as you know, but this is a very special edition of the show. Uh, There was a uh, gentleman who got in the news news this week for uh, firing a bunch of people. He may appear later in this broadcast in the Apologies of the Week, but it reminded me of... uh, my favorite time being fired, if you work anywhere near or around radio, just as a medium, it's not well done, and you are going to be fired somewhere along the way. And my favorite of the several that I've experienced was um, I was part of a comedy group at a radio station. Yeah, that happened in uh, Pas- Pasadena, California. And he gathered us. There were four of us, gathered us all in his uh, office, did uh, Mr. Cox. And he finished his uh, statement of firing with these words, which um, ring in my ears almost as much as everything else. I envy you your freedom. You got to feel good after you've heard that. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, looking back at the year in rebuke, It uh, started, and a lot of it was uh, consumed by one man's search to not accept his own firing. The man's name was Donald J. Trump. Nautilus Water, this is Sherman. Mr. Sherman. Uh, Yes, sir, who's calling? You know, Mark Meadows... He's from uh, down there. He suggested I call you. Oh, yes, sir. I delivered uh, water to his house for many years. Yeah, yeah, that's what he told me. Mark's the best. This is President Trump calling. Mr. President, I'm honored. Some people would like to call me Mr. Former President, but you you and I know that's not true, right? Right? Uh, well, people call people lots of things, sir. Mark said you were as sharp as a tack. So, first of all, Mr. Sherman, Happy New Year. I know we're a couple days away, but like they say in Brooklyn, curtain hurt. Right? Thank you. But look, Mark found out you deliver water to the Registrar Voters Office in Gwinnett County. Uh, we, we call it Gwinnett, sir. Right, right. This is the kind of help I'm looking for. Mr. Gingrich represented us for many years, but uh, you, you probably know that. Yeah, but I'm glad to hear it from you. So, if, I guess if uh, that Registrar of Voters is anything like any place else, uh, the place where the water goes might... Uh, just be near where they store supplies. I, I guess you could say that, sir. Paper and uh, printing ink, uh, maybe even ballots. Oh, I know there's lots of papers and boxes near the water machine, sir. Yes, sir. Great, great. That's just great, Mr. Sherman. And I know you must be very busy, sir. I, I, I hate to... No, you're not doing anything, Mr. Sherman. I'm doing the doing, okay? No. So, uh, uh, if they were throwing away ballots in that office... You might not know about it, but uh, you might see some of the things they threw away. I mean, that's that's just common sense. I suppose. You know, they, they figure you're busy with the water and the bottles, and you're not really paying attention to the ballots, if they were ballots, right? Right. And uh, they'd probably be still keeping the ones they threw out until after January 6th. I mean, that makes sense, right? I, I guess so, Mr. President. You would know better than I. So look, can I call you Vernon? 
Sure. I mean, and you've got access to that office whenever you need to deliver more water. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have a card key. That great, great. That's just great, Vernon. You know, Mark said that you could really help us right now. I mean, regardless of party uh, who you voted for, if you've even voted, you'd like to help your president, right? <laughs> Actually, I, I didn't vote this year. My sister's been ill. Oh, tell I... her she's got my warmest condolences, will you? Okay. Anyway, Vernon, is there any chance you could stop by that office and uh, just, you know, of course, drop off some water? And while you're there, since I'm, I'm sure they're taking a the Christmas off, you could... Check all those papers that they're throwing out come Monday just to see if there are any ballots in there. And if so, you know, take them out with you and, and call Mark. He'd send people right over. Take them right off your hands. And if they're what we think they are, uh, Sherman, you'd be a hero. You'd be a hero. I mean, think of it. You saved the country. You saved the election, really, just by dropping by. Maybe tonight even. I, I, I don't know if my uh, card key is valid on weekends, to be honest, sir. Good. Good, Vernon, always be honest. Well, but uh, there's only one way to be sure, right? You go down there in a little while, test it out. If it doesn't work, no problem. You go on with your life. But if you can access the premises, then you could do your favorite president a real solid. I'll tell you the truth. I'm not always the most generous person. My kids will tell you that. Oh, I know about kids. I've got... But the people who do me a solid... I'll let you in on a secret. The door is always open. You understand me, right? Like an open door. You know, premium weekend at any of the Trump resorts, that sort of thing. My kids run them. But, you know, one call from me, things happen. Well, uh, I'd have to take my own car. And I, I, I wouldn't have any bottles, sir. I don't have access to the company vehicles during off-duty time. So, so, but, so you'd be kind of obvious just waltzing in there? Is that what you're saying? Kind of, sir. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't be... No, no, no. That's okay, Vernon. It's always good catching up with you in any case. Mark sends his best. Okay. Well... And the search went on. This week, for perhaps the last time, the writing is on the wall. And for the businessman turned chief executive, Mexico's not paying for that wall either. Jared, uh, Mr. President, I think one more trip to the Middle East and I can wrap up a peace treaty with Oman. Great. Who are they at war with? <laughs> Nobody, but it's it's like our Jared, other... Jared, I've been watching your performance throughout the series. Mm -hmm. You started out great getting my daughter off my hands, but then what? I let you take the coronavirus off my hands and suddenly I'm getting blamed for people getting sick. How is that a win? <laughs> uh, uh, sir, as I've explained to you m uh, many times, uh, th there were a lot of moving parts to the task force operation. Yeah, well, there are a lot of moving parts in my limousine, and it doesn't crash every time I get in it. <laughs> I uh, mean, sometimes it smells funny, but I just chalk that up to driver cologne, which I've told them about. But well, well, in retrospect, uh, you know, maybe we wouldn't have left quite as much of the pandemic work up to the... Yeah, the individual states. Uh, although that's such a Republican thing, all our senators thought. Senators thought? Yeah. That's a new one. You ever seen a Mitch McConnell thinking? Um, like a constipated turtle he looks. You know, if I'd known you were going to run this task force like a loser, I'd never have pardoned your crooked dad. That was just a few days ago. You knew the problems we were encountering. Through hey, no listen. Hey, listen, buddy boy. If I wanted to pay attention, I would have needed you. And don't think I don't. Pay attention, that is. I know damn well that stuff with Oman is just a way to get some Arab sucker to bail out that pile of crap you've got on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> How does somebody go a mile underwater owning a Fifth Avenue building? <sighs> 
Some people might say, same way somebody could go bankrupt in the casino business. Right. Differences, that's called being smart. You wouldn't understand. So look, Mr. Boychick, I didn't come back from Mar-a-Lago just to chew the fat with a looser son-in-law, who, by the way, booked vanilla ice for the party down there. Like... Who in the freaking hell does that? That wasn't me. That was the party planner that Ivanka hired. She thought it was going to be, you know, cute having a big loser serenading a winner. That's listen, how she... Listen, pal. That so-called New York irony is why I moved to Florida, aside from the tax thing. So look, I know I'm peeing up a rope here, but you've got a task this week. Hopefully, if everybody wakes up to the hoax, it won't be your last task. <laughs> Get your friends in the media to cover this electoral vote challenge thing live. Straight through. Might run 11 or 12 hours. Our fundraising lines stay open all night. I, I, I think some of them are planning to, you know, dip in and out. A wall to freaking wall. <laughs> well, Trump-style coverage. Mm -hmm. Call your friends the Murdoch kid. Tell them this is the way to get off my spit list. I can do that. It won't be true. But hey, why start now, Right? <laughs> right? Uh, right. Mike, my precious jewel of loyalty, my beautiful Mike. Mr. President, the uh, opportunity to serve you this hour of need is the gift of a lifetime. I'm humbled by once again being able to be of some small assistance to you. Great, because this is the time that the nuts not only get cut, they're sliced and served with A1 sauce. Well... That's a figure of speech only you could conjure up, sir. Yeah, one of my gifts. Mike, this Wednesday, you're going to hold the future of this country in your hands, wherever you hold stuff. I uh, I am aware of that, sir, and again, I, I tremble at the enormity of the responsibility, even given the trivial nature of the duties assigned to me. Well, that's where you're wronger than Saks on 6th Avenue. <laughs> Listen, Mike, mm -hmm. I've been speaking to the top lawyers in the business, Rudy, Sidney, Sidney the woman, mm -hmm. Lynn, Lynn the man. Mm -hmm. They all agree. You've got power so awesome it could make me jealous if I did that kind of thing. Once the illegal votes are challenged, and we've got great senators to do that, these are senators who love the country and they love the MAGA people, my lawyers say then you're free to exercise your best judgment. And, of course, that means this great cause of continuousness or continuity or whatever of power. Continuation, probably. Mr. President, it would be my great privilege to do whatever I could to see the continuation of this magnificent era and edifice of leadership. Of course... My reading of the uh, relevant law leaves me uh, in a situation I, I fear is far less robust in terms of omnipotence. Think of it, Mike. We moved the whole government up to Camp David. They can't send the military in there. The military runs the place. <laughs> the good senators filibuster against any attempt to cut off our money. All the TV people are going crazy because nobody's ever seen anything like it. It's Make America Great Again Squared times two. Sir, the very... Skilled people I turn to for guidance on this matter have advised me that uh, my duties on Wednesday are purely ministerial. Mike, 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 I'm not asking you to pray with me. <sighs> I'm offering you the one-time-only opportunity to save this country from a fate so bad nobody noticed it until I call attention to it. Mm. And don't worry about having to improvise. Stephen Miller will write everything for you. He's great and fast like you wouldn't believe. Drafts come out of him faster than the belches for most people. Uh Mr. President, What I, is it, Mike? You want to run in 2024? Helping me right now 
said you were better than a rich father. I don't presume to aspire to a position you filled with such ease and majesty. Look, you don't believe me? That's your right as an idiot. But listen to the lawyers. They've been in a lot of the country's best courts all this year. Mr. President, there's, uh, there's one word I've never wanted to, to say to you. But I'm afraid um, I, I may have to say it now. Is it no? Because if it's no, I don't even want to hear that word coming out of your mouth, Mike. Nobody would believe it. It's so out of character. <laughs> against type, you know, like they, like they say. <laughs> and, of course, it goes against the loyalty thing which, uh, if you ask me, is your best feature. So, sir, I'm afraid what uh, I'm going to be doing on Wednesday isn't going to uh, be able to help you. So I, I, I can't tell you uh, how refusing your request... My order. ...your whatever is, is just so very painful. But, okay, Mike, that's enough. It's pitiful and it's enough, and I, I don't know if you noticed, but I... Happen to have a very big bus, and there's have room enough left for you under it. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make saving my ass great again. Now, a joint session of Congress is his boardroom via Presidentis this week, because there may not be a next one. And... Yet, even after that day, that Wednesday, when a lot of folks came to Congress, a lot of peaceful, loving folks, the campaign to not have to campaign to stay where he had campaigned to be continued. Hi, it's Phil. The Hour Blanket Man, thank you for calling. Phil, this is Don. How can I help you today, Don? President Don. Won't you please leave your name and number? Phil, Phil, I've called you before. I know this isn't a damn recording. (laughs) Okay, Don, how are you? Well, how the freaking phoenix do you think I am? Well, you acknowledged you're not going to be... You know who acknowledged that? Mm. The stupid age who wrote that script and shoved it in front of my face is who. Once I am out of here, they are out of here faster than anybody has ever been out of here. That's how I am. Well, sir, look, it has been my privilege to be your official hour blanket man. I mean, not official, but next thing to it. And you've accomplished some great things, not just for the hour blanket family, but for all betting startups. So, Phil, Phil, I can say this. You've been a true friend. So many people I thought were loyal MAGA people have turned out to have knees of clay. It's hard to believe. I mean, like impossible. So you know better than anyone how many photo ops I've done with you. And I appreciated it, and I was so very grateful, and uh, I passed that uh, message to you through Hope and uh, Kellyanne. And, uh... Next time, tell it to a guy. It means more. Mm. And it's more likely to get through. So, look, I guess the blanket business is doing pretty good. So many people staying home because of the stupid COVID. And uh, thanks to you, sir, and I'm telling you directly now, one of those photos we did together has been hanging ever since out in my brining shed. Well, that's great. And a little miniaturized replica of it goes out with every hour blanket we ship. So, so Phil, are you telling me 
You're exploiting my name and likeness. I think it was Hope that gave me permission. I don't care if Hope gave you lip service. You have no right in the entire universe or any universe yet to be discovered. My lawyer, Michael Cohen, before he turned out to be a terrible snake, he taught me that. You have no right to do that, Phil, or whatever you call yourself. (laughs) Well, sir, I still call myself the Our Blanket Man. You know, you have MAGA. I I have 75 million fans, Phil. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have 7,500. I sell that many MAGA hats every hour. Incredible, right? Well. So look, I'm willing to ignore the ridiculous exploitation of my name and likeness. If you could uh, come, come to a little event we're having at the White House next week. It's called the Denauguration, and it's on the 20th in the late morning. Mm-hmm. It's not a lunch per se, so, because some deep stater at OMB is cutting back the food budget, but just some hardcore supporters, and we're, I can't say rallying, because now that's a dirty word, like protest or trespass. But- Mr. President, I would love to come, uh, but this is inventory time, and if I don't keep eyes on that uh, progress, the... Uh- the hour blankets have a nasty habit of just throwing right out of the warehouse. So. Phil, your friggin' blankets can go screw themselves and save the receipts. <laughs> We're talking about saving the country, this country. Mm-hmm. We won't get another chance. Well, there is another election in a few years, sir, and I hear tell that you Phil, might... you believe the Democrats will allow another election? They don't need one. They rigged the only one that counts. Mine. <laughs> Wake up, Phil. If we don't stop this, nobody's going to be buying your stupid blankets because they won't even have any sheets. Think about it, Phil. A country without sheets. Whoever thought that was possible? Sir, you've been in business. Uh, you know about inventory time. Uh, I would love more than anything on God's green earth to be at the lunch, even without food. Uh, but the premium bedroom accessories are not going to count themselves. So... Um, Sir? I'm just remembering the great idea you had. Take the Liberty Bell away from Pittsburgh, put it in Trump Tower. I should have gone along with it. My lawyers wouldn't let me. It's all right, Phil. I wish I could say I'm surprised. I mean, if freaking Lindsey Graham, who I put up with this candy cane corn pone act for four years on the golf course, if he's going to go lily livid on me... What, can, what am I supposed to expect from a glorified schmata peddler like you? What I can do for you, sir, is uh, take those little photos of us together out of uh, any future packages of our blanket, just as a gesture of uh, kind of continued goodwill. Yeah, that's wonderful. Can you do me one more solid, Phil? Can you stuff all your cocked-up blankets up there where the sun doesn't shine? Way ahead of you, sir. They're all in the warehouse. Well, of course, we know how that campaign turned out so far. Um, But on his way out, Donald Trump did notch one more victory. Uh, His second impeachment ended pretty much the way the first did. One look at Murkowski, and you know just what's her problem. Her face is pure Bowowski. She smokes them and she's got them. Way up in Alaska, a prime.
primary challenge is my commitment. She's going down in freezing flames after my equipment. Seven members of the Senate, ten members of the House voted yes on my impeachment. Every single one of them's a louse. They think it was a freebie that I'm not me, that I'm not bitter. Gonna learn a big fat lesson now that I've had my acquitter. The ones from the Congress, I don't even know one name. They thought impeaching would make them famous they don't know how to play this game but senators cassidy and sass they're dumb they're so little their state parties kick their ass and wars in store thanks to my acquittal just got re-elected she's gonna wish she lost she doesn't dare come to CPAC in two seconds she'd be tossed I'm setting up a super pack the money won't be a pittance they'll be really High-class fundraisers, thanks to my acquaintance. When you cross me, I remember. When you serve me, I forget. They say I learned a lesson. I haven't learned one yet. I'm building for the future. Every minute that I'm here sitting, but I'm pissed about the past. And it's payback time, thanks to my acquitting. The, the campaign, such as it was, to keep Donald Trump in the White House, of course, fizzled pretty much from the get-go. But he seemed to be rather, rather fixated on getting back in, eventually. This week... 
for the first time, it's Trump 1, Cheney 0. And for the ex-president turned still president, Job 1 is getting the Senate on the same page as the House, and not just the Senate pages. So, Mitch, mm -hmm. you ever seen so much marble on one floor? Well, sir, the, the Senate has no, a lot. Oh, I mean in a private home, mm. which this isn't, of course, it's a club. I don't want the local Palm Beach Mafia getting the wrong idea about my permit, but... Very impressive, sir. This is all real Italian marble, too, right? Interesting. You notice anything right here? Well, uh, just a slight change in color, isn't it? I'm not wearing my color perception glasses, Totally but... different marble starts here. Mm. When we wired this room for mood lighting, we had to tear everything out. Interesting. Every different little vein of Italian marble has a slightly different hue. Yeah, but this here is Mexican marble. Mm. Half the price, and with the mood lighting, no one can tell. Or if they can, we double down on the mood lighting. Interesting thing about this room, sir. Doesn't, doesn't seem to be a place to sit. It's the drinks and canapes lounge for the big dinners through that door. Nobody sits for drinks and canapes. I can tell you've never run a five-star resort. <laughs> no, sir. I seem to have my hands full running the United States Senate. At least I did before we lost the Senate. Can't seem to remember why that happened. Hey, Mitch. Earth to Turtle Town. Maybe voters thought with all those anti-Trump Republicans in the Senate, why vote for another Republican? What? Maybe the way we get the Senate back is for you to take a hint from your friend Kevin in the House... And start doing like my son does in Africa. Shoot some rhinos. Republicans in name only. Mr. Former President, maybe we could move to a room with some actual furniture in it. The one on the left looks... Listen, it's okay if you don't agree that the 2020 election was stolen from me. Ignoring the crime of the century is your business. Well, but calling me Mr. Former President is an insult to a bunch of great Americans who do believe that. That's the great room. They're steam cleaning the books today. Sir, the Senate is not like the House. Yeah, but it could be if you did a Cheney on Mitt Romney's ass. Ever think of that? Ever think of telling that stuffed piece of shirt that the only committee he's going to be a member of from now on is a committee of one? Doesn't work that way. Senators are very proud individuals. I didn't get their, be their leader by treating them like congressmen and women. Yeah, nice inclusivism. Look, Mitch, you and I, unlike our friend Kevin in the house, we got something in common. He wants something he never had, the speakership. Mm -hmm. You and I both want back what we used to have. It was taken from us. Mm -hmm. Your task this week mm -hmm. is to get me a Republican Party in the Senate as united behind me as I am. Can you do it? Well, sir, uh, I have to spend a few days seeing what I can do for you. Okay. And the next time you come down here, I'll get us a room with chairs. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make the crime of the century great again. Now, Florida is his boardroom. The Mar Apprentice. This week, all his favorite dishes are best served cold. Yeah, it almost sounds like we were starting the Apology of the Week. And? 
We are. First on the list is our executive mentioned earlier in this program, although not by name, Vishal Garg. How could I wait? Vishal Garg, he's the CEO of Better.com. He issued a company-wide apology via email to the remaining staffers after coming under fire for firing 900 workers and criticizing them. Quote, I own the decision to do the layoffs, but in communicating it, I blundered the execution. In doing, doing so, I embarrassed you. He went on to say that how he had communicated the layoffs had made a, quote, difficult situation worse, unquote, and that he was committed to learning from his mistake, unquote. Another chief executive is in hot water, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson, had uh, put into put into law, or the force with the force of law, some restrictions last holiday season uh, that ban- banned socializing more than two people in a uh, enclosed place. This past week tape emerged of his then-spokesperson sitting with associates and some holiday drinks as they tried to figure out how to explain that they were having a party and laughing about it. The tabloid newspapers erupted, and this week the pressure got a little too great for the Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, may I begin by saying that I understand and share the anger up and down the country at seeing number 10 staff seeming to make light of lockdown measures. And I can understand how infuriating it must be to think that the people who have been setting the rules have not been following the rules, Mr. Speaker, because I was also furious to see that clip. And Mr. Speaker, I apologise. I apologise unreservedly for the offence that it has caused up and down the country, and I apologise for the impression that it gives. But I repeat, Mr. Speaker, that I have been repeatedly assured since these allegations emerged that there was no party and that, and that no COVID rules were broken, and that is what I have been repeatedly assured. But I have asked the Cabinet Secretary to establish all the facts and to report back as soon as possible. And, Mr Speaker, it goes without saying that if those rules were broken, then there will be disciplinary action for all those involved. Ooh. I don't think they're buying it. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now the year in rebuke continues. From CPR, a look forward. 
This is Tomorrow Talk. The future tense without the tension. I'm Mary Edith Barzillay. Digital or cryptocurrency was the last decade's leap forward. But once you've amassed your own cash of non-cash money, what can you spend it on? This decade has the answer. Non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, have become collectibles before most people have even heard of them. CPR's arts and money correspondent Calvin Ham joins me today from San Francisco to explain. Hi, Calvin. Hi, Mary Edith. How are you? Well, I'm great. And you? Pretty good, actually. How is it out there today? Sunny and warm? <laughs> Never that warm in this city, I'm afraid. Can I get you some water? No, I'm good. And I'm 3,000 miles away. Great. So let's talk about NFTs. You sure we've done all the niceties? Positive. Okay, then. So NFTs are digital files. We're all familiar with songs on, or our shows on digital files, right? Kind of. I, I still have my CDs. Well, I'd say to sell them, but you'll probably be the only potential buyer. <laughs> but the digital files in the NFT space could be anything, an artwork, a film, a frame from a film, or just a frame. Uh, there can always be any number of perfect digital copies of any of these things, but the NFT has a unique identifier registered on the blockchain, and that's what gives it its value. You can buy or sell it in perpetuity or even longer. But, okay, but but why would I? Well, you'd buy it in order to sell it later on at a higher price, just like a painting. But, but paintings that are copies are, are called forgeries. And that's why the unique digital identifier gives NFTs their value. Forgeries don't have those. Hmm. An NFT of an artwork recently sold for almost $70 million. But that's old news. You've got the future of NFTs in focus? Sure do. Uh, Stig Boganovich is a creative who sees how this new marketplace can be valuable for people like himself. A tiny percentage of creative people make most of the money from the art or the films or the music. We used to call them stars. Almost always they had to actually create some version of what they had in mind and bring it to life. But uh, every creative person has lots of cool ideas that for one reason or another they can't actually create in real life. Money or technical know-how or whatever. But imagine a creative who makes a digital file, a memo, a video selfie, describing the idea. You register that on the blockchain, this distributed ledger, you get that unique digital ID, bang, you get digital money for something you thought of but never did. The ID being unique creates scarcity, and that's what attracts the buyers. We all know people who buy paintings they don't like because they're not a mass-produced item. In the case of NFTs, it could be a mass-produced item, and yet it, each version of it is one of a kind. So the NFT of my first unmade feature film, Zombie versus Vampire, will be... Nothing more or less than a PDF of the three-page summary of the story. There'll be an addition of 11, and we've already got an offer of $1,000 for number one. Of course, the more we sell, the rarer they get. That's the magic. So, Calvin, mm -hmm. you could say in this new world, the very scarcity is the product. Sure, Mary Edith, although product itself is an outdated concept. Mm -hmm. At least in Stig's construct, the product which was the middleman between the creator and the buyer, has been removed. What the buyer owns, in case you're wondering, mm -hmm. is the right to say that he's the owner of whatever it is that makes his file unique. 
which is that identifier. Absolutely. In all reality terms, that's no more unreal than, say, owning an option to buy a share of stock later on. Mm. And to Stig Boganovich, the new reality of selling digital copies of ideas will help a lot more creative people survive whatever else is next. Given the very low barrier to entry into the NFT market, they might even have a brighter future than the people who actually bring their ideas to fruition. We might come to even question the meaning of fruition. So, next time you have a report for us, you can just sum it up in a sentence, make it an NFT, and you won't even have to present it on the air. Or anywhere, for that matter. That really does sound like the future, or at least a future. (laughs) Calvin Ham, thanks for the report. See you, Mary Edith. Take care, Calvin. Thanks. Oh, you too. Thank you. Along for the ride on this edition of Tomorrow Talk are our friends at the Conceptionasium, creators of the self-closing tote bag. This vision of the future is now in the past. I'm Mary Louise Barzillet. Join me for the next one all too soon. This is CPR, Continental Public Radio. Of course, the other major news story of uh, this year, just about to be laid to rest, was the end of America's longest war. After 20 years, the United States, um, in an exquisitely planned set of maneuvers, withdrew from Afghanistan and uh, left it to the Taliban, left it to the tender mercies of the Taliban. And now we're hearing all sorts of stories about starvation and... uh, killings occurring as a result. It's the Taliban, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Taliban. Um, And a lot of the stuff that the United States had taken over to Afghanistan in terms of equipment and uh, materiel, as they say, was left over there, which could have been a big bargain. The Army says it's all got to go. The Afghans say it can't leave. And I say, saving bucks starts here. Hi, I'm B-Rock, with the greatest money-saving deals since the Indians sold Manhattan. Ever wanted to own a partially armored Humvee of your very own? And ever wondered how you could do it without paying Pentagon prices? The answer is as close as B-Rock's Afghan closeout blowout. And not just vehicles. This event is putting on sale for the first time and for the last time until the next time. The biggest sale of military and outdoor gear since Custer said uncle. How about your own war room? Thousands of square feet for you to strategize your next big move or just to watch the big game in hyper-secure comfort. The price? Too low to mention on the air. Too low to mention even on encrypted phone line. But time's running short. and We've got to move an entire war's worth of gear. Our loss is your game. Although, since we're you, it's your loss, too. It's all here waiting for you. State-of-the-art communications equipment, barracks, great cooking supplies, enough uniforms to supply an invading force of your own, anti-insurgent spray, Afghan-English e-dictionaries. All you do is charge it, and then you pick it up and pocket the savings. Not with the U.S. government transported this stuff back home. It might cost double or triple what you'll pay at B-Rock's Afghan Closeout Blowout. And your credit? We've already got your credit report on our health insurance computer. So you're ready to rock and roll. The B-Rock way. But don't take my word for it. Listen to this general who works for me. Whether you're looking for camo or ammo, fixed wing or rotor, the only thing better than our guarantee would be a certificate of victory. Heck, I'd love to buy some of this gear for myself. But the Afghans won't let me. 
They're crazy. And you don't have to go to some showroom or warehouse. It's all online at brock.gov. Every night scope, every canteen, every up-armored bribe bag. The ones Army scientists developed for paying off warlords. It's like a strong box in a sack. And they're not just at rock-bottom prices. They're at B-rock-bottom prices. But these savings won't last forever. Eventually, the sun's going to die. So log on, click through, and agree to the terms of use without reading them. B-Rock's Afghan Closeout Blowout. The best way to wind down a weekend and a war. From Afghanistan Public Radio, home of the year-round pledge drive. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, the city that never wakes up, I'm Mahmoud. <laughs> and I'm Hamid. We're Slick and Slack, the permanent transition brothers. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Cars I Talk. Today's program comes to you with the assistance of the Afghan Bar Association. Lawyers and drinks. We've got them both. <laughs> well, my younger brother, another springtime, another fighting season? Yes, it's now as much a part of our traditional calendar as a Kandahar trash fire day. Yes, that's a smoke you can never forget. Mm-mm. But we're also nearing a momentous point in our glorious country's journey towards the future. The 1st of May. Ah, yes, another American troops will all be gone, day. Mm-hmm. It comes around every once in a while, and it always means a rush to exchange dollars for Afghanis, just in case. Oh, I know. There's an American Express office near my Toyota dealership, and that day always brings a crowd to the neighborhood. Some of them are scared enough I can sell them a Tundra, just in case they need a off-road escape. And they're that scared... Before they do business with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Hello, this is Yuri Gregorovich, long-time Russian foreign office officer, first-time caller to anybody. Yuri, welcome to the show. You, you people had a, a big sort of conference in your capital, so my younger mm-hmm. brother tells me. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a very successful conference. Representatives of Russia, China, Pakistan, the United States, the Taliban, and the Afghan government were all there as the talks began. Oh, and in what way was, may I ask, was it successful? They were all there as the talks ended. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Was this the first time the Taliban actually sat across a table from the Afghan government? Mm. Yes, although with the COVID distancing and all the parties in attendance, plus the translation teams, uh, they did end up about three tables away from each other. As the saying has it, a journey of a thousand miles begins with yelling across three tables. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, there was no yelling. Mm. Uh, You might be surprised to learn that there was a unanimous agreement. Really? On power sharing in the new government? On... uh, Stepping down armed forces region by region? On Toyotas being the official vehicle of the new government? No, on the meeting next month in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, gentlemen, that, that was a very important second step. Really? What was the first? Reserving the hotel rooms in Turkey. Yuri, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh-huh. said you were a long-time officer in the foreign affairs section of the Russian government. Oh, it's true. I'm almost eligible for the brass watch. 
Uh, so, were you there when the United States forced Russia to leave our country? As a matter of fact, I was. It was several years of protracted struggle. Mm. Both of our countries spent a lot of blood and money. Frankly, we feel rather pleased with ourselves. Oh, really? Why? All it's costing us to get the U.S. out of your country is the price of three tables. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. <laughs> Gee, the Russians sure have changed their accents since the old days. I've been listening to some of our early broadcasts. Mm. So have we. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you're on Kazai Talk. Hello, I'm Yusuf Khani, long-time brother of the president, uh, first-time caller. You mean... The other president. And I'm the former president. My brother has what you might call Trump syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But uh, Yusuf, yes. how is your brother Ashraf? He must be uh, somewhat relieved to be seeing something that looks like perhaps the end of this particular one of our many wars. Well, all he has ever been is a wartime president, Hamid. Oh, I know the feeling. <laughs> Now he enters a space where the Taliban object to a new election. Mm -hmm. Talks could drag on. Mm -hmm. He could be stuck in an endless transition. He could always quit. I, and end up doing a public radio show? On good pledge days, it's a living. Actually, he's determined to see the process through. I, on the other hand... Oh, uh, you've been doing what in his administration? Uh, well, most recently I've been head of the space program. We? Oui? Have a space program? Mm -hmm. How come you didn't make me head of that? Ashraf started it. I didn't think we could afford it. Oh, you are right. <laughs> so I'm calling to see if possibly your younger brother needs a new sales associate. A what? A, a, a customer relations specialist, a showroom floor consultant. A car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, Yusuf, mm -hmm. uh, we had to do some belt tightening First with the COVID, mm -hmm. and then uh, some more belt tightening with the heightened fighting last year. Yusuf, things have gotten so bad. In February, my brother had to eat the belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Yes. Uh, but we know how to find you if and when. And, and Yusuf, mm -hmm. please tell Ashraf hello for me and tell him if he thinks the tunnel is bad, wait till he sees the light. <laughs> 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 Thanks for the call. We had help today from the Afghan Health Department, making tomorrow's vaccines the day after tomorrow. Legal services for cars I talk from the law firm of Ketchum and Nukum. I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us next time for another edition of Cars I Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio. And this is not your local Afghan radio station. So, ladies and gentlemen, in uh, 2021, some famous names in the media world have departed the scene uh, just in the last couple weeks. Brian Williams, who, uh, as the New York Times memorably described him, was uh, entrapped in a, quote, fabulism scandal, unquote. It means he left uh, his position at MSNBC. Um, this very day, Chris Wallace resigned from his longtime perch at Fox News Sunday. And earlier in the year, this. Fifty-five years, 
living and broadcasting heaven. That adds up to five times 11. That's the time I'd anchor the late news in LA. With co-anchor Kelly Lang, we'd relate the day. Plucked out of Hollywood, landed in DC. I lobbed questions at Nixon. He looked straight at me. Then to Rockefeller Plaza, up at 4 a.m. on the dot, co-anchoring with Jane Pollard and Willard Scott. The Today Show was lightweight, to put it politely. So soon I matriculated to the news called Nightly. I'd fly to the hot spots, do a few live shots, then land back in New York, still looking sprightly. Wrote a beloved book about the World War II leaders, got to tour and lecture to millions of readers. Two decades along, I relinquished the anchor post, became a senior analyst instead of a host. But one proud constant lingered on appearances taped and alive. Given an alphabet with 26 letters, I aced 25. Public Radio, it's all in all. CPR's look behind the surface of today's news. I'm Ira Zipkin in Washington. Wherever you look, as long as you look in the United States, the COVID-19 vaccination effort has entered a new phase. Whether it's a big cash lottery or free tickets to newly accessible sports events, states are trying to raise declining vaccination rates by offering a wide range of incentives. As one observer noted, it's like a President's Day sale at the hospital. But now this action has triggered a reaction. I've been talking with some organizers of What About Us, like Karen Claymore in her diner in Ontario, California. Look, I'm a very tolerant person. When my friends or my customers were making a big deal about not getting the shots last winter, I didn't give them any crap about it. Well, I was like an anti-Karen Karen. But then all of these incentives started, and I realized, like, where's ours? You know, we did the right thing, and we did it early, and all we got was a little sticker. Well, you know what? Screw their little sticker. I want my free tickets. Or our million-dollar lottery. Roger Blankenship does drive-in shoe repair in Escanaba, Michigan. I mean, we're being discriminated against for doing what we were told to do. You know, what about next time and I hear some Dr. Fauci character tell me to get a vaccination or take a pill? 
No, why shouldn't I say, okay, Mr. Health Official, as soon as you set up a nice incentive program, I'm there, right? I'm not going to be Mr. Do What The Health Guy Says for nothing again, am I? <laughs> I'm supposed to do that just for my health? Like, what is this, Russia? I don't think so. At first, the response was overwhelmingly favorable. Dr. Judd Pickens is head of the Osage County Health Department. In a state, he prefers to keep anonymous. People clamoring to sign up for the Apricots and Red Hots for Shots program? Suddenly, our drive-up facilities are like parking lots, which, I mean, that's what they were, just in the sense of, you know, suddenly the cars were lined up all the way to I-40 Service Road. Then, the what about us thing started, and now we're being accused of discriminating in favor of the anti-vaxxers. I mean, when's the last time you heard of somebody picketing the health department? So then we went to the local teams and said to them, we, we now need twice as many free tickets to try to make this right for everybody. And they looked at me as if I'm crazy. Well, I know one thing. It's not on our budget. So they should just have thought of that before they started. If it costs twice as much to be fair to everybody, then that's just the price of freedom. One state legislator we talked with said, off mic, that if this keeps up, We'll just have to give free stuff to everybody. And then nobody will want to work. And for now, that's all from All in All. Support comes from the Doris G. French Foundation, dedicated to saying the name of Doris G. French on the radio at least twice a week. I'm Ira Zipkin, and there'll be more All in All next time it's time for... All in all. This is CPR, public radio for the rest of us. And finally today, a couple of, uh, well, a winner and a loser in the celebrity world. 29-year-old rapper Cardi B revealed she's been named Playboy's first-ever creative director in residence. Come on now. No, 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 no. You don't need to... Sharing the news on Instagram alongside a photograph that features her sporting a large silver chain with the bunny logo. Carney B. wrote about her new role as she shared her excitement for it. Quote, introducing the first ever creative director in residence at Playboy. It's me! Touring the Playboy family is a dream. I know y'all are going to love what we put together. We're going to have so much fun, unquote, Cardi B. On the other hand, Anheuser-Busch is pulling the plug on its Travis Scott-backed hard seltzer brand in news from the trades. The brand was called Cacti, in case you forgot. This is less than a year after it went on sale. The decision, of course, comes in the wake of the negative publicity for the rapper and influencer, after 10 people at his Astroworld concert last month died as a result of crowd control issues, which apparently he couldn't influence. Cacti's Twitter account went silent in the days following the tragedy, as of this week has been canceled, according to Ad Age. After careful evaluation, we've decided to stop all production and brand development of Cacti Agave Spiked Seltzer, the brewer said. We believe brand fans will understand and respect this decision. Unquote. Since there are so few of the brand fans, apparently, a representative for Scott told Ed Age his endorsement deal expired end of November, 
and characterized the decision to end his involvement as a mutual one. He had earned a reputation as a powerful product endorser, but he's experienced other brand fallout in the wake of the tragedy. In late November, Nike stated it would delay the release of a sneaker collaboration with his Cactus Jack label. Somebody's got cactuses on the mind. And it's not me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Part one of the year in rebuke. Part two comes two weeks from today. What happens next week? Why, it's Christmas time. And it's our annual holiday show, The Merry and the Unmerry. Speaking of which, if you're in and around New Orleans, Christmas Without Tears returns live to the Le Petit Theater in the French Quarter after a one-year absence, the 20th and 21st, or the 21st and 22nd. Call the theater for tickets. A lot of your favorite artists will be appearing. Serious and not so. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.